Welcome to this episode of the Connecting Faith to Life podcast. I'm Trey Rhodes, a Connections Pastor at Northwood Baptist Church here in North Charleston, South Carolina. In just a few moments, our lead pastor, Dr. Tommy Metter, will be joining the conversation as well. In our crazy and chaotic world, our hope is that these few minutes will help you stop and reflect on your relationship with Jesus as you learn to connect Christ-centered faith to your everyday life. We are pushing right through episode 100. We're at episode 102 of the Connecting Faith to Life podcast, and we appreciate you coming and joining us. And as you listen to the podcast today, just take a few minutes to invite someone you know, uh, post on Facebook, Twitter, uh, even send them a text and say, hey, listen to the podcast and all those things. Uh, you are the one that helps uh, stretch our reach. So uh, get out there and let other people know. Been talking to people this week, and they're really excited about what's going on here at Connecting Faith to Life, uh, Pastor. I really appreciate what they're doing out there, letting them know how uh, they, they like our banter. They like our banter. Yeah, that's what they say. We really like your, I've had three different people say those words <laughs> last, last week, so it must be something to it. But uh, You are a great banterer. <laughs> I think it's you, and I just kind of play. You know, I'm, I'm kind of the straight man. I play off you, but anyway. Anyway. Almost. Okay. Anyway, the whole point is, is that <laughs> there, are, there are lots of people who'd like to know more about how to understand biblical Maybe principles. Maybe we should stop the banter right now and go and get that episode because, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You want me to stop? Straight man. All right. Straight man. <laughs> Here we go. Which, it, Yeah. <laughs> I thought you said stop. All right. Anyway, <laughs> makes a difference in our lives every single day, learning the word of God wow. together and how to apply wow. it to our lives. Mm. Uh, well, Pastor, today we're going to talk about something that has just been a huge issue in our in our nation, and uh, rightly so. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity to to kind of weigh in a little bit with, uh, we have Logan here with us today. He's going to help us sort smart through boy, some things. Smart boy, our resident and, smart boy. And, uh, how are you at bantering, Logan? I enjoy it. Okay. And I'm I'm really glad to be back. Well, we are glad to have you back, brother. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a few months. Yeah, but I think at this point, I've got to be the the most frequently recurring. You are the frequently, and I don't know what that says about you or about us. (laughs) Y'all need to get better guests. I need need to. Uh, There's lots of people out there y'all could have on. The last time you were a guest, you had a longer beard. I think that was the last time you were, and nobody can see your beard right now. But it's growing out again. It is growing out. I think it looks looks fantastic. Yeah. Just saying off the top you, of my Are you head. going for the Jesus look again? Or are you trying to grow it all? I'm working out? on it. Yeah, okay. we'll be there. The hair obviously he, takes a little bit longer than the beard, but we'll get it there eventually. Yeah, Logan tells me that he grows his beard so he doesn't have to mess with shaving. Which is true. I hate shaving. So I'm not a fan. It's it just, that's how he does it. And you don't use any product in your beard whatsoever. It's no. all natural. It's I all gave natural. Him, I gave him product for Christmas and he said, thanks, but I'm not going to use it. He did. I tried to use it like one time. It was the just, thought that counts. I, I, I'll use a little beard oil. I like a little beard oil. Part of the whole thing is that I don't like keeping up with working to shave. So I'm not going to keep up by working to put oils and fragrances. Spoken like and all a true millennial. Spoken like a true millennial good, doesn't want to Good do. point, brother. Good point. Well, well, we are glad you're back. <laughs> We're fresh back from the Southern Baptist Convention, and uh, when I say we, I mean... You mean me. I mean, yeah, Pastor Tommy. But over the course of your life, you've been to quite a few Southern Baptist Conventions. Probably 15 in, my, in my lifetime. I've only missed... I've w- Since I've been a pastor, I've, I've missed... L- in other words, I've been to more than I've missed. Okay. So uh, okay. I've only... I, I went to... The last one I was uh, at was in Baltimore. 
So well, however long ago that was, five years ago, six yeah. years ago? I go based on proximity. If it's closer by, I'll go. It's like next year's in Anaheim. Yeah, uh, that, that's probably know. not going to happen. But Baltimore is not that far, actually. It's you got to get on an airplane to get there. Baltimore? Yeah, or you Anaheim? drove? Oh, hey, well, yeah. Both of them, you got to get on an airplane. I went with a friend that was, you know, his buddy, and I stayed in his, uh, he paid for my whole way, so. Well, it's in Anaheim next year, and the year after, it's going to be in Charlotte. So, we'll all go. We'll take a Charlotte staff trip. Charlotte is where yeah, we're going. we'll take a staff trip right up the road. It'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. I might go to Anaheim next year. We'll see. It's just a, that's a long trip. But it's a, it's, these days, airline tickets yeah, are not, not that, that expensive. It's so. a, yeah, it's not that bad. So we might go. We'll see. But, but so for, if you're listening and you're part of the Northwood family, then you are a part of a Southern Baptist church. Many of you know that. Some of you know that, but you don't even know what a Southern Baptist church mm-hmm. is. And I get that because I mean, honestly, we don't spend a lot of time on Sundays talking about what it means to be a Southern Baptist and mm-hmm. all those kinds of things. And so, so what the Southern Baptist convention is and is a collection. That's probably the wrong word. It's a, what is the Southern Baptist convention, Logan? It's a, it's, it's a bunch of churches that get together that cooperate for the sake of the gospel uh, around a, a unified statement of faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and our, our goal together is to, to uh, bless the, the, the nation and bless the nations with the gospel Amen. together. And so the Southern Baptist convention, it is, it is a collection of what? 40 something thousand churches. Yes. There's a lot of churches. And so every year we have a annual meeting where Southern Baptists get together. In fact, from our church, we sent what we call messengers. And I think from our church, there were about 10 of us that went from mm-hmm. our church uh, that I was At there. 10 of our 12. 10, That's really yeah, good. Right, right, right. So you, we have messengers based on the size of the church or the uh, amount of money that we collectively give. the amount give. of money. <laughs> as long as you have like 100 if you give uh, some very small amount to cooperative program, you get your full twelve. So. Right, right. So, uh, the cooperative program is really the, the 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 fuel to the fire, if you will, that we we collectively give to mm-hmm. the cooperative program as churches, and that cooperative program it funds our mission efforts. Mm-hmm. Whether it's right here in North America, your son is a um, beneficiary of the cooperative yes, program because so. uh, he is planning a church in Boston, so he receives some funds from the cooperative program and, to do that. And all of us that have gone to seminary, when we went to seminary, we we received funds from the cooperative mm-hmm. program to help us to get our education. Our international missionaries are supported by the cooperative program. Mm-hmm. So the cooperative program is it's a beautiful thing, and it really does serve uh, missions well in our nation and in our world. And so, really, I mean, you think about it. Uh, Southern Baptist churches, all giving to the co-op program, we are able to do a lot Amen. for the sake of the gospel. And it's a and, blessing. Yeah, yeah. And so for us as a church, man, we, we really appreciate that cooperative work, and we're glad to be a part of that. And so at any rate, this annual meeting that we get together every year and we talk about issues uh, that that affect our churches. I mean, if you think about it, the annual meeting every year is, if, if you remember this, Trey, because you've been a pastor for a long time, it's, it's like, you know, those monthly business meetings we used to have. Remember those? I do. Yeah. I do. So, and I don't like to remember them. They're right, not very right, fond right. memories. But so the annual meeting is like a huge monthly meeting, mm-hmm. except it's just once a year. So you had, we like this past week we had in Nashville, where we had our meeting, we had over 15,000 messengers in the room. Did you know that we're the largest deliberating body in the world? I don't Guinness doubt Book that. Of world Records. I don't doubt that. A, a, a meeting with 15,000 people. That's incredible. In and you have these microphones that are set up all over the and floor. And everybody has and access. anybody can have an opportunity to As long to as you're a messenger, and, you have access. And you have to follow Robert's rules of order. And it's, it's really wild. It is, there's on the stage, there's a parliamentarian who, who has memorized. Yes, Robert's Rules of Order and our, I guess, probably our ways of doing things. Right. And then there's also some lawyers up there to make sure we don't mess anything up. There's a moderator. Uh, It is is an 
interesting place to be. <laughs> and and, and it, is, it is wild just to watch how the meeting proceeds. I mean, it really is fascinating. So you've got that going on. And, and, and every year at the convention, we have what we call resolutions. Mm-hmm. Okay, because we live in a wild culture and there's always things going on in culture. And so every year, these resolutions give us as Southern Baptists a way to collectively speak into some of the issues that are taking place in our mm-hmm. culture. And over the years, we've spoken into a lot of issues. Trey, you probably remember this one. Logan, you might, you're probably a little young to remember this one. Um, it was early 90s, we boycotted Disney. Yeah. Remember that? I was one of the boycotters. You were, you were a boycotter. I was a boycotter. That went really well, didn't it? For about three months, we boycotted Disney. No, and I boycotted <laughs> for 12 years, <laughs> Did brother. You? I didn't even watch you're a movie. You're still boycotting. Anyway, so anyway, you have all these crazy <laughs> resolutions where where Southern Baptists speak into issues uh-huh. that are affecting our culture. This year, for example, we... Uh, we spoke into the Equality mm-hmm. Act mm-hmm. as a resolution, and mm-hmm. so we'll spend every year. We'll spend a, a couple of hours on the floor at the at the annual meeting, uh, you know, talking about these resolutions, amending these resolutions until we finally get something that we agree on. Hey, this is what this is how we as Baptists want to speak into this issue. Mm-hmm. So, so I tell you that to tell you that over the past couple of years. One of the issues that's been pervasive in our culture has been the issue of race, mm-hmm. uh, and, and this has been an issue that that really Baptists have struggled with over the years, as far as how to speak into this issue. And when we say Baptists, we mean Southern, Southern Baptists. Baptists yeah. right? I think you know the vast majority of Southern Baptists, well, hopefully all Southern Baptists would agree that racism is a sin. Oh, Amen. And we would agree that that racism exists in our culture, and I, I think all Southern Baptists would agree that. You know, reality is we're sinful people. Mm-hmm. Uh, racism isn't a new thing. It's been around forever. Yes. And it's going to be around until Christ returns. I mean, we're not going to get rid of racism. We're not going to eradicate racism because we are sinful people. And but, racism, by the way, racism is not restricted just to the United States of no, America. No, no. It's, it's all, that, and that's what I'm saying. It's been around ever it is, since it biblical is times. And because of sin. Right, right, right. And so while we won't completely eradicate racism in our culture, we as Christians and we as Southern mm-hmm. Baptists, we want to speak to this issue well. Amen. And, and we want to, in our own lives personally, repent of areas of racism, mm-hmm. and we want to lead others to, to, to repent of areas of racism as well. And so, so you know, with the George Floyd incident about a year ago now, mm-hmm. I guess it was, yeah, it was. I mean, and, and all the things that, that uh, surfaced because of uh, the George Floyd, inc- George Floyd incident, um, we, we felt at the convention this year a need to speak into that. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not the first time that Southern Baptist has spoken to the issue of racism mm-hmm. as, as a convention. So interestingly enough, and some people listening might know this, some might not, when the Southern Baptist Convention was founded back in 1845, in large part, it was over the issue of race. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, we, we split from the Northern Baptist, if you will, over the issue of slavery. Mm-hmm. And so we have kind of this checkered past where our founding probably wasn't the best and all those kinds of things. But, but we, we spoke into that. Mm-hmm. In fact, in 1995, were you at the convention? I was Trey? there and was one of the people yeah. literal. There were many of us laying out on the floor, repenting before God almighty yeah, for what, yeah. had, what had happened and uh, our founding and those sort That's of right. things. So on the 150th, cause it yeah. was the 150th yeah, anniversary of the Southern Baptist convention, the Southern Baptist convention passed a resolution that spoke to the racist past mm-hmm. of Southern yeah. Baptist. And I, I, I've got a little bit of that, and I, I think it's interesting. Um, it, it said part, and these resolutions can get rather lengthy. Yeah, There's a lot of whereas and resolved yeah. and all these kinds of things. 
Uh, but it says in that resolution, be it further resolved that we apologize to all African-Americans for condoning and or perpetuating individual and systemic racism in our lifetime. And we genuinely repent of racism of which we have been guilty, whether consciously or unconsciously. And it goes on to say some other things as well. And so in 1995, mm. uh, there was this rallying cry of Southern Baptists to repent of our racist past, repent of, mm-hmm. of racism, and even use the word systemic mm-hmm. racism. Mm-hmm. Now, that is a hot-button word in our yeah, culture today. We're going to talk about that in a bit. Uh, but but I, I don't think in 1995 when they used that phrase, systemic racism, they meant what we're meaning today when that word mm-hmm. is used in our culture. Uh, and Logan's going to help us in a minute think through this, but when we think about systemic racism and the way that that word or that phrase is used today, uh, that phrase is used in the, the critical race theory to speak to this idea of, of every system in our culture it, uh, has systemic racism. Mm-hmm. It, it, every system benefits uh, a white people yeah. and, and oppresses people of color. And when the Southern Baptists passed this resolution in 1995 and they used that word systemic racism, that, that wasn't what they were thinking, I don't think. They were thinking that that there there are systems of racism that are willful, mm-hmm. that, that it's, it's, it's not that it's inherent, that, that we make a choice yeah. sometimes as an organization or a, uh, to, to participate mm. Right, it's not inherent. That makes sense to you. It's yeah, not inherent. Yeah. It's it's a it's a it's a decision, right? There and are so, systems of racism that right. are, that that have influenced our nation and our in our own convention. Yeah, but and we recognize that. That's, right, and but I think in in nineteen ninety five when they used that phrase, they mm-hmm. just said, okay, it, w- it was willful. It was we made that decision. It wasn't like it was inherent. It was systemic it was now sin. means pervasive. In yeah, other words, yeah. it's so pervasive in everything that it can't be even separated from our culture. Right. I right. think that's, that's what exactly we're saying. Right. Yeah. I don't know if we're explaining this as best we can, but Logan will help us in a yeah. minute. But anyway, I'll, I say that to say that in 1995, that was the resolution that was passed. Mm-hmm. Now, fast forward to 2019, mm-hmm. there was another resolution passed uh, by Southern Baptists that was quite controversial because in 2019, we were beginning to learn about critical race theory. Mm-hmm. And so Southern Baptists wanted to speak to that issue. That's the first time I ever heard that term. Me too. And I think at the convention that year, that was a lot for a lot of people. That was Mm -hmm. the first time they ever heard that phrase critical race theory. Mm -hmm. And so there was this resolution that was passed that was, that was controversial. Uh, So in that resolution, essentially what that resolution said is that, you know, as Southern Baptists, we reject worldviews that are anti-gospel, that are opposed to the gospel. But we recognize that something like critical race theory, uh, there, there, there's some research there that can be used as an analytical tool. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened was that became very controversial. Yes, because there were Southern Baptists said, "Wait a minute, wait a minute. If it's if it's if it's a worldview that is opposed to the gospel, then there's nothing of value in mm-hmm. that for us. We want to reject it completely." Mm-hmm. And so, so I think the reason why it passed in 2019 was because of people like me and you. To be honest, right now we weren't there. We didn't vote for it either way. Uh, but I think the reason why it was passed because you know there were a lot of people who were sitting in the seats that really like us had no idea at that point mm. what critical race theory was. Mm-hmm. And so what that did is that brought to the surface, you know, this, this, this theory that many of us were ignorant about. And over the last couple years, Southern Baptists, as well as many of people who aren't Southern Baptists have educated themselves or are trying to educate themselves in what this critical race theory is. Yeah. And now here we are in 2021, two years um, later after that resolution was passed, and, and, and we're hearing about critical race theory all the time. It's not, not just in Southern Baptist circles, right? I mean, this thing came out of academia and Logan's going to help us yeah. think through that. Uh, but, but you, you hear it on 
the news channels. If you're watching, you know, cable news, you're hearing about critical race theory. Mm-hmm. You're hearing about it, you know, being taught in schools or whatever the case may be. And so you're hearing all this talk now about critical race theory. And, and, and reality is, as you might be listening today, and you've heard about critical race theory, and you still don't know what it is. And mm-hmm. we want to help you with that. But, but what happened this year at the convention is that we passed another resolution. Because the resolution in 2019 was, was controversial, we passed another resolu- resolution here in 2021 um, that said, we reject, we reject any worldview that is opposed to the gospel, mm-hmm. which, which I thought the resolution we passed this year, resolution two, uh, was a good resolution that helped us. It was a racial reconciliation mm-hmm. resolution. Uh, it's a long resolution that I think speaks well to the problem of racism and how we as Christians, mm-hmm. as, as evangelical Christians, deal with racism. And, and what that resolution stated uh, was that we deal with racism with the gospel? That mm. that racism is a sin issue. It's an issue that that uh, that 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 is born out of a sinful heart, and the only way to deal with a sinful heart is through the blood of Jesus Christ, through His death and resurrection, not through any other theory like critical race mm-hmm. theory or any other theory that might surface in the years ahead or right. has surfaced in the past. And so, so we passed another resolution that I think um, speaks to that. Now, there was some controversy, even because there's you get a bunch of Baptists in the room. There's always a bunch of controversy, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, but but the, the controversy. I, I, oh, you told me that one of the they wanted to specifically they wanted, name. They wanted to name. Things. Critical race theory in the resolution yeah, yeah, this year, that, and it okay. wasn't named, right? Because the 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 uh, the committee and also by large the convention itself uh, wanted to speak a bit broader to the issue. And we, the, you said it was like ninety five percent. It was. It might have been higher than that. Okay. I mean, it, it, over the resolution overwhelmingly passed. Yeah. That this is how we want to speak as Baptists into this critical race theory issue. We mm-hmm. want to say that if there's any any um, philosophy or mm. worldview. Uh, that is anti-gospel. We reject those. Here's the way that we, as as Southern Baptist Christians, mm-hmm. are going to deal with the issue of race, and it's going to be with the gospel. Yeah, and makes so, sense. Yeah, I gave you all that to give you kind of a background of why we're talking about this today. So, mm. if you're still with us, 18 minutes in, thank you for continuing to listen. <laughs> now we're going to talk about critical race theory because I, I want us because this is such a hot button issue. Mm. I want. Uh, those of you who are listening to be familiar with what critical race theory is and how we as Christians should respond. Mm-hmm. And and that's why I brought Logan into the, the room this morning, because uh, about a year ago when all this stuff went down, Logan and I were walking through a series on Wednesday nights talking about some of these hot button issues in our culture. And we did a Bible study um, on critical race theory. We did a study on critical race theory. And so Logan's done some research in this area. I've done some research in this area. And so we just really want to Great. educate you on this particular and issue. And by so the way, I'm one that wants to be educated. Good. So I'm here to listen and understand. All right. So Logan, let's go help us. What is critical race theory? Yeah. So, and I, I do just want to start off by saying that I am by no means an expert in this, this topic mm-hmm. or this field. Um, this is not what my studies have been in school. This has all just been personal research um, because, and and I'm almost a little reticent to speak on this. I think we're able to, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, we've researched well, I I think we can understand what it is, but there has been, at least even within the evangelical world, there's been really two sides of this. Um, And the problem is, is if we're not thinking about this issue well, we're prone to go to one extreme mm-hmm. or the other, uh, which means we're, we're prone to miscategorize what critical race theory is um, so that if we're not thinking about it clearly, then 
we might think it's something that it's not. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that means that we're out on Facebook or Twitter or in the, the social, the public square. And we're talking about things that we may, we may be hitting it on a little bit, but just not talking about it well. So we do want to think about it. Um, and even over the past year for me, I mean, I've, I've kind of shifted and I've learned more about yeah, what this absolutely. is. And so I, I've grown in my understanding of it. And that's the goal is that we mm-hmm. want to learn together and continue to grow mm-hmm. Sure. Um, in this. And so, I'm actually just going to start out there. There's a, the scholars, right. That, that have written the books on critical race theory. Um, Derek Bell, Kimberly Crenshaw, Richard Delgado. Um, these are legal scholars that were coming out of the seventies and eighties. Yeah. So this is, this is not something that's, this brand new, this idea of critical race theory started in the Academy in the seventies and eighties. Right. Right. And but before critical race theory, there was something called critical theory. Right, and, and we'll jump into that. Um, but so I'm actually leaning on Richard Delgado. I'm letting yeah. him define right mm-hmm. what critical race theory is. Makes sense. You yeah. can find blog posts, and you can see people on Twitter or Facebook that are going to try to define. I encourage anyone, if you're looking for definitions, just go straight to the source yeah. of yeah. the people. Yeah. Look for primary sources, people that wrote this. And so this is what Richard Delgado says critical race theory is. He says it's a, the critical race theory movement is a collection of activists and scholars engaged in studying and transforming the relationship among race, racism, and power. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's just take that right where it starts. He says it's a movement Mm -hmm. that's, that's using activists and scholars. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they're obviously fighting for something Mm -hmm. and they're doing this in the academy, but really they're looking at what is the relationship between race, racism, and power. Yeah. Okay. And this is not a new concept. Right, we've we've seen how race and racism and power in the wrong hands has gone wrong in in our history, um, as as a country. We've we've seen it throughout the world. So the critical race theory movement it hits on a lot of the same issues that classic civil rights movements have done and ethnic studies. But critical race theory here's the big step they want to take. Okay, instead of just talking about race as as an individual thing and how does race play in, in this sphere or this sphere? They want to take it and, and broaden the perspective to look at things like economics mm-hmm. and history, mm-hmm. setting, groups, and self-interest, emotions, and the unconscious, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So they're looking at, okay, how does race and power influence and how has it been passed down through all of these yeah. different areas that we've mm-hmm. never really talked about in terms, and we don't ever think about racism and economics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right now, we might see how one can use power within an economic system to be racist. Yeah, absolutely. but we're still looking at the individual and not the entire system or structure. So, unlike and that's where we get the systemic racism, right? And so, where whereas you think about traditional civil rights discourse, so if we're thinking even about Martin Luther King Jr. Um, in the '60s, right? The entire movement said, "Okay, these systems and structures are broken." Right. Right. Black people are being treated unfairly in this country, but there's progress that we can make. Mm -hmm. There's step-by-step progress with the systems that we already have in place. Do they need to be reformed? Yes. Do there there need to be some things that are changed, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. But there's step-by-step incremental processes that can take place to make this better. Critical race theory is not working with step-by-step or incremental fixes and changes. It's questioning the very foundations of the liberal order, Mm-hmm. including equality theory, legal reasoning, enlightenment rationalism, and the n- neutral principles of constitutional law. Mm. Now, I just said a mouthful right mm. there. I do understand what you're saying, though. 
But instead of just saying, hey, there's mm-hmm. progress that can be made, we're questioning the entire structure right. of all of our systems, mm-hmm. not just a particular branch of government or the police or whatever. We're, we're questioning the enlightenment. Yeah. We're, we're questioning the Constitution mm. to say, hey, these and critical race theorists, right, say, hey, these structures are actually racist. And so it's not that they need to be reformed. They need to be changed completely. Mm. Or rejected, I or guess. Rejected, sort of, yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. so that means if it's rejected, something else has to be put in its place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, again, there may be people listening to this that have read some things on critical race theory. That's not my definition. Yeah. Right. This is one of the scholars who started this work in the studies in the 70s mm-hmm. and 80s. Mm-hmm. This is how he's defining critical race theory. And he's, Delgado, is actually one of the more moderate mm-hmm. critical race theorists. Wow. Right? People like Robin D'Angelo, Kimberly Crenshaw, they're just going to be more extreme. Kind of the same basis. Yeah. Right? But even more extreme in how they're thinking through this. And so... You know, as we're thinking about, as you're looking, as you're doing your own research, there's going to be a lot of different definitions of critical race theory, but that really is the idea, is that we're questioning everything, every system, every structure that we possibly have, and it's centered around race and power, Mm -hmm. race Mm -hmm. and power, right? Um, And so, as we're thinking about, okay, this, that's a lot that was happening in the 70s and 80s yeah. in the academy. That's kind of hard to think about, Okay, right? you, you, I hate to do yeah, this, no, go but ahead. you say the academy. What are we talking about? Right, so we're talking about um, colleges and university at the Ph.D. level. Mm-hmm. What we would call right. academia, sort of, your, yeah. is that kind of the term? Right, yeah, okay. so any kind of higher-level academics. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry. I, right. I didn't know if there was a place that they were meeting and uh, calling an academy. Okay, yeah, go ahead. So, yeah, we're just talking about academics at yeah. the highest level. Um, Got it. Because, and as we'll see, you can do this with any kind of thing that has affected our society. It always starts in, in the academy, mm-hmm. in the universities, mm-hmm. and it takes years, years, years to get down and trickle so, down into popular culture. But that's exactly what's mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. Right. Um, so, okay. Well, did they just make this up? I think that's, uh, were they just sitting there in the seventies and eighties and saying, you know what, we're just gonna, we're just gonna apply this theory of race to everything, right? Mm-hmm. Race within economics and systems and structures and the constitution. Well, no, right? Like I said, every every idea comes from somewhere. Um, and Tommy, you mentioned it. This idea that critical race theory stems from the studies in critical theory. Mm-hmm. So we just have to go further back in time, right? Back to the nineteen twenties and thirties where legal scholars were looking at, hey, the laws that we have and the, the law structures that we have in place, right? how are those laws being unfairly applied mm-hmm. to, to oppress people? Mm-hmm. Um, now, I want to be very clear here because I don't, want to, I don't even want to mischaracterize people that hold to critical race theory, but this idea of critical theory as it applies to law stems out of what we've talked about before, that there are oppressors mm-hmm. and there are the oppressed. Yeah. Right. So critical theory is tied to Marxist ideology. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you think about Marxism and uh, what his view of economics was, mm-hmm. right, that there are the oppressed, there are the oppressors, and there's a power dynamic, mm-hmm. right? And everything's a power struggle. And those who are the oppressors, they get to make the rules. Right. And the mm-hmm. oppressed have to follow those rules. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And they and so it's unfair. It's unjust is what, what would be happening there. Um, but that was critical theory was being applied to law. Mm-hmm. Right. And so all of these different 
areas of study stemmed out of critical theory. Critical race theory is one of those areas of study that stemmed out of this. Mm-hmm. Now, listen, if you're sitting here in 2021, and even if you're listening to this and, and you like some of the things about critical race theory, that does not mean that you're a Marxist. I'm not calling you a communist. Let's just be very clear, right? Because I mm-hmm. think the assumption is anybody... You know, on one side, if you don't like critical race theory, then you just think everyone's a Marxist or a communist. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. that's not what we're doing here. Yeah. Right. Because the other side, they'll accuse that side of saying, hey, y'all just don't understand critical race theory. It's like, no, I mean, I, I've read the literature. Yeah. 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 Right. And that's not what I'm accusing you of. But all ideas, and as we get into this, all worldviews are rooted in something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And critical race theory just stems from critical theory. You don't have to like that. Right. But again, in Delgado's book, an introduction to critical race theory, he says that the foundations are tied to critical theory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So be mad at him about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. No, right. Don't, don't be mad at me. I'm not the one that said it. Yeah. Right. That one of the leading scholars, he's the one that said it's yeah. tied to that. So, um, where would you like to go from there? Yeah. I know that's, I so, mean, I just said a lot of no, stuff. That's good. Yeah, yeah. That's so, good. So, I think great so, foundation. I think a couple things. One, it is a worldview, right? And, and so what happens in critical race theory is we take the idea from critical theory about oppressed and oppressor. And how does that play out in critical race theory? Yeah, that's, that's great. So um, as we're thinking about really kind of, okay, so how does, what are some of the key beliefs of critical mm-hmm. race theory, right? So really, and you've mentioned some words already, and there's tons of words that come along with this worldview Mm -hmm. that have been introduced into our popular culture that we've started using things like whiteness Mm -hmm. or systematic racism Mm -hmm. or systematic oppression, or even things like being woke, right? Things along this line. There's, there's words that are associated with this worldview. Um, White fragility, white privilege. Yep. So all, all of those fit in there. And so what do we, what do we mean when we're talking about this oppressed or oppressor? So the oppressor is, are going to be those who are white. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean just that your skin is a certain color, right? Right. Whiteness is, is associated with power or mm-hmm. oppressors, mm-hmm. right? So you think about everyone who came from Europe, Mm-hmm came to the West, right, came to America, whether your background is Italian or German or Swedish, right, all of those individuals look a good bit different, mm-hmm. but all of those would have the power of whiteness, mm-hmm. right? Um, so they're the oppressor. So people of color, right, who have been disenfranchised or don't have the same advantages because the white people got to build the systems, mm-hmm. right? So the systems are white if that makes sense. So the people of color that come in, right, who are, again, disenfranchised or um, as, you know, as we think about in the slavery system, black individuals or, you know, anyone, any person of color that comes over, the system is not set up for them to succeed. So they are oppressed in that, right? Because white people created the system. They're inherently racist, which is one of the tenets of critical race theory. We'll kind of get into some of that. Um, but because they're inherently racist, right, the system itself is inherently racist and it's going to oppress people of color. So we're saying by the nature of your skin color, according to critical race theory, by the nature of your skin color, if your your skin color is, is one tone that you are inherently an oppressor. And if it's another tone, you are inherently oppressed. And that's just, you're born that way and nothing to do about it. Yes. And so it's, it's interesting. So critical race theory 
critical race theorists, they'll say that essentially, effectively, whites created a caste system. Mm-hmm. This along the lines of what you're saying, right? right? So that white is better, and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the darker you are, that's worse. So we mm-hmm. get the oppressor and the oppressed. Right. Um, they will also say... Now, stop right there. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, if you look back in history, there have certainly be, been instances where there have been people who've thought that way. We, we can't deny that, that there have been you know, white people who thought they were better than a person of color because of their skin color. And, absolutely. And, and absolutely. But, but this is going further and saying what, that you're born this way. Every, not just some white person who thought this years ago, but every white person is born this way. And every black person is born this way. Person, or what, correct? Is that we're saying? Yes. Well, so it's, it's really interesting So critical race theorists will hold that race is simply a social construct. Right. Um, And that effectively white people have used race as a means by which they can oppress others. Okay. Um, So it, it doesn't become so typically, and I think most of us as when we've heard about, let's say before 2019 happens, Mm -hmm. When you hear about if someone says you're a racist, right? That means that you as an individual yeah, have committed yeah, some mean, form yeah. or act mm-hmm. against someone else solely based on the color of their skin. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. It was an individual act that you made. Mm-hmm. So if you remember the definition that Delgado uses, right? If it has moved now from economics to systems and structures, then Racism is no longer about individual acts. Sure, you can commit individual acts that are racist, but you're part of the system, mm-hmm. right? You're mm-hmm. participating in the system. And so whether you realize it or not, you may not have committed any individual acts that are deemed racist. Mm. You are a racist because you're part of the system. Yeah. You're inherently racist, yeah. even if you can't see it, mm. which becomes very problematic. It becomes problematic. And I think that's the, the rub for us, right? Because, you know, again... I would not consider myself racist, mm. but because I'm part of the system, that makes me racist. That would be right. That would be kind of the. And, but I do want to say, I, I think coming from my little bit further back, mm-hmm. uh, we do need to be careful as well that we are not doing things that are racist. In yeah. other words, because we have been brought up in a system, mm-hmm. uh, there is some of this. We don't even. We do not know at times. Uh, and I've been corrected by, we were talking earlier by my sons about, you know, how sometimes I act or say things and, you know, we don't know. And so there, we do need to be open to saying, okay, where do we need to well, clean and, up and our I think act? That's the issue. That's the issue Yeah. That, that when it comes to issues of racism, we need to have the conversation mm-hmm. and we need to listen. We need to listen carefully Amen. and we need to be open to, uh, um, uh, correction, rebuke, all those things. And, of that, course. and that's with any sin. Of course. But, but the, the thing is, when we're coming to this critical race theory, mm-hmm. is we're approaching that conversation from a, a, a different yeah. a starting point yeah, I know. than what we're approaching it from as followers of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Because it is a different worldview. It's, it's a different because worldview. it's a different worldview, you see? So we have to say, okay, what's the construct that helps us become who we need to right. be in Christ? So what are some other key beliefs that we're, we, we need to hit on as far as critical race theory? We talked about um, you know, the, the, system, the caste system. Uh, the embedded in American culture. What what else? The individual acts versus the corporate acts. What else? Yeah. Um, so part of it as well. So white white people, and again, that's a very broad term, 
we're, we're talking about people that are in power, mm-hmm. so white people, but because they're in the system and they're not oppressed, they're they're unable to really see their racism, mm-hmm. and then they're unable to make any commentary on it, right? So it's only the people of color um, who have the ability to define what the racist acts are. So, so what we're doing here today, we really, according to them, we have no right to be able to say anything about it. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, now, again, I don't want to paint everyone. Of course not. Even if, you know, if we have Christian brothers and sisters that that see some merits and benefits to to CRT, I'm not painting everyone to say that everyone's in a box because they're not. If you go read the literature, Mm -hmm. people are all over the map on this. So there's really not a ton of consensus on what it means to hold to CRT. The most extreme ends of the spectrum, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. They I would think- say literally that that we're practicing and we're living out our white privilege right in this moment, mm-hmm. right? That we're trying to redefine, we're trying to oppress people of color by redefining what critical race theory is and using it to our benefit, mm-hmm. right? Um and so, but that is one of, that is one of the key principles. Um, I was listening, I'm not going to name the individuals, but, um, was listening to an interview the other day, two people of color were on there and one of, one of the individuals was literally like white people are unable to see their racism. Mm-hmm. They're unable to admit their racism and that makes them psychopathic. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you just think about if that were, let's just say that that mindset were to take hold in our culture, Mm -hmm. then anyone who doesn't admit to their racism is a psychopath. Right. Mm. That just, right. If that ideology were to hold, that would just become very dangerous. We're mentally ill in a very severe way. Right. And so you should be treated as such. Right. Um, So that, again, that I'm not saying hardly anybody that holds CRT would, would say those words. I'm just saying on one end of the spectrum. We're here in extreme. Right. This is what, you know, and really it's, they're they're taking things to their logical conclusions. Mm -hmm. We talk about this all the time, like with worldviews and philosophy, you have to take things to their logical end. That's really what they're doing. Yeah. They're just taking it to its logical end. So, um, certainly that, um, that people of color are the only way, only ones who can do that. Um, white run power structures there, they will only work toward the advancement of, mm-hmm. of whiteness and moving that forward. Um, and that eradicating racism. So this is a big tenant, right? I said that critical th- race theory is just one branch of this. Mm-hmm. This goes into, to queer theory, mm-hmm. um, to feminist studies yes. across the board, right? So eradicating racism cannot be accomplished without also paying attention to sexism, homophobia, economic exploitation, yeah. and other forms of oppression or injustice. And that's where we get into the idea of intersectionality. Can you give us a 30-second definition of intersectionality? All kinds of crazy stuff today, man. Yeah. This isn't our typical podcast. This is this is not. And this is, um, <laughs> so we bring up the idea of, of intersectionality, right? So that all individuals um, have all of these different avenues that come in that help kind of define who you are, that mm-hmm, make you who mm-hmm. you are. So your your race is one thing. Your gender is one thing, right? Um, the work you do is one thing. The work sexual you do, all those things. Mm-hmm. Right. And so this, this intersectionality, um, and, and again, I'm not really the best on this topic, um, but that all of these things are working together to, to form people. And so we can't, we don't want to discriminate against any of those things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so you don't really, as a white person, have the power to say, right, that someone's wrong. Yeah. And their lifestyle choices and the decisions they make, right? Because there's all these factors that come in that make up make people who they are. Um, so intersectionality has actually gone a long way to kind of push to say, hey, on all these different things, whether it's your your gender, your biology, your sexual orientation, your background, your work, are you married, are you not married? you have kids, you not have kids, all these things to say, Hey, all these complex things make up who you are as a person. We all, we have to respect those, Mm -hmm. um, and think well about those. Um, so which again, and I, and I do want to, so part of the resolution in 2019, right. I think what the heart behind that resolution was for the Southern Baptist convention was saying, we don't want to throw everything out right. if there's anything that's valuable. We want to learn. Us. We want to learn. learn. Right. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. And we've done this throughout Christian history. Yeah. Right. We have used other philosophical frameworks mm-hmm. and, and thoughts and ideas to help us yeah. think about our Christianity absolutely. better. Right. Absolutely. We absolutely robbed the Greeks. Yeah. The Greeks have helped us think absolutely. super well <laughs> yeah. about philosophy. Yeah, we have our, logic and all exactly. that. Logic yeah. and the Trinity and all these things. So, but the question is, okay, then what is valuable, mm-hmm. right? Is there, if, if you think about, you know, you're eating meat, you don't want to, you don't want to eat the bones, right? right. You want to get the bones out. You want to enjoy the meat. The question is, well, just how much meat is there? Yeah. Is it mostly bones? Is it mostly meat? Right. Um, and I think that would be the argument of a lot of um, uh, evangelical Christians. Is there's just not much meat there. Yeah. And, and that's, and, and so Why? That's the question, that's the question right? Is because why? I why do think I do actually think intersectionality in some ways is helpful for us to think mm-hmm. that, right? That people don't fit into boxes very neatly, mm-hmm. just based on their skin color mm-hmm. or based on their socioeconomic status. Yeah, people just don't fit into boxes, it, like we try to, right? You're either Republican or you're Democrat, mm-hmm. or you're either a Gamecock fan or a Clemson fan or whatever it is, right? We just try to force people into boxes, but in a lot of ways, intersectionality, it really does help to say, Hey man, like people are very complex creatures. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that, that should inform us as we're sharing the gospel. Like, man, I might have to, you know, I might have to really think through this in a way that's going to help this person. Um, that they're not just like everyone else I've talked to. Mm No, that is, that is someone that God desires to be in relationship with. He's created them in a very specific way. Um, so I, I think things like that. So you mentioned in the, the 95, right, the convention admitted to systemic or systematic mm-hmm. racism, right? Now, they meant it in a little bit different way. Right. But it's is it helpful for us to think through, hey, maybe there are some things in this country that are not benefiting the poor yeah, or the oppressed or whoever it is, right? Um, and maybe we should think through reform Mm -hmm. and making we we should really care about justice right right as christians we really care about justice and we want the best for people so is it good for us to think through that absolutely is 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 has critical race theory maybe helped you think through what what underlying racist sentences you might have in your own life yeah i would hope so Right, just because of the conversation that we're having. Mm-hmm. Just because of the conversation. Now, do, do I think critical race theory is going to be the thing that helps you think well about that? Nope. Yeah. And that's the issue. The issue is the starting point. 
Yeah. Where are we going to start with a conversation? Are we going to start with critical race theory, or, or are we going to start with with the Bible, yeah. the Word of God, and what the Word of God teaches us about being created in His image and in His likeness, and and how to live in relationship with other people? And so the, the question is, what's the starting point? And for That's us right. as evangelical Christians, uh, as people of the Bible, critical race theory will never be the starting mm-hmm. point. It will I, always be Scripture and God's design for us. Yeah, Ed Litton, our new president, uh, he actually said that it is the gospel is the best way to determine these things. Right. You know, that's, that's the, that's our starting point. Is and, the gospel. and that's what the resolution two of this year is. That's how we're speaking into it as Baptists this mm-hmm. year is that, that that's no worldview, no theory other than uh, the truth of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Nothing other than the truth of the gospel is a viable starting point. Amen. Right. And so, so yeah. And that's so, and I heard this analogy. I thought it was really helpful everything that's happened over the past several years, mm-hmm. right? There are some issues going on in our country. Absolutely. Right. Because people are fallen, sinful. We're always going to struggle with race stuff. As long as people of different skin color are living in close proximity Absolutely. to one another. Mm-hmm. Right. We're just going to struggle with things because we're fallen, sinful humans. Yeah. The same way that we struggle with a host of other issues, right? Because of the prevalence of what was going on in the media and certainly with the George Floyd situation amongst some other things, I think what happened was, is that it exposed a problem, mm-hmm. right? It exposed a cancer in our mm-hmm. society. Mm-hmm. We had a, we have a ton of cancers in our society. Mm-hmm. This, it was just really highlighted. Critical race theory comes along and it says, okay, we've got this really experimental treatment yeah. that we're going to try mm-hmm. that may fix this, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, okay, because if you have cancer, you'll take any kind of treatment. Right, yeah, right, yeah. right. Especially if, it, but here's the deal: as Christians, we have the right treatment. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We have the right treatment for the cancer of our Amen. time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's not critical race theories. I don't get us there. Maybe it helps expose some things. Maybe it helps show us, hey, we need this. This didn't work out the way we thought it was going to. We have the gospel, and mm-hmm. the gospel is the right treatment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The gospel answers the questions better. It gets us to better solutions. It helps us think about it more clearly. Right. It gives us a better philosophical framework, a better rational framework a better worldview yeah. to think about these issues. Right. And it is the gospel and thinking well about the gospel to say, Hey, here's how I'm going to love my yeah. neighbor. Yeah. Here's how I'm going to love God and love my neighbor. Yeah. Um, and so that's where ho- hopefully this was helpful. Um, we certainly, we can, you know, put, maybe put a link to some mm-hmm. suggested reading or That'd resources yeah, right. we should really help that. people. Um, because I don't want people to leave confused on this. Yeah. And it's but, a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. It's easy to be confused because it is so multifaceted uh, in, in just different dimensions of the conversation. Um, yeah, when we were at the convention, all the seminary presidents, you know, they came to the microphone and said that critical race theory uh, is not being taught in the seminaries as a viable worldview. What I mean by that is the seminaries are educating people in critical race theory, right? And and and, and we need to be educated in it. And so when, we're, we're, when we say we reject it as a worldview, we're not rejecting the reality that we need to learn. We need to know what it is so we can, you know, so we can uh, expose it and expose yeah. its, its untruths. Uh, uh, we do need to be very clear. Ivy was very clear about this. In our seminaries, mm-hmm. they are teaching critical race theory. Because we need to understand what, what it That's is. That's what I'm saying. We need to understand. Yeah, I, I just want, but yeah. I wanted to be clear. Yeah. So to say our seminaries are or not teach, we're not teaching it as a viable yeah. alternative. We're teaching it as the, as this is what it right. is. You need to understand what it is and how it 
how right. it works against the gospel. Our or seminaries, works with the gospel. Our seminaries whatever. teach other religions. Yes, of course they do. <laughs> right? So we can know, you know, what false religions are out there so we can defend yes. the truth of the gospel. Yes. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, it, 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 it it's, it's a big issue and there's tons of resources we can give you to kind of read through and kind of think through. And what we want you to know is that, that, that critical race theory is not the starting point that we as Christians need to begin with when we begin to have the conversation about race. We need to begin with scripture and understand that, that when we come to issues of racism, it is in a, in an individual sin that, that, that if you have, you know, in your own life, um, partiality towards certain people because of their skin color or anything, and you discriminate against others, that is your sin that you need to deal with. And so, so there is this idea of, of individual sin and, and, and dealing with your own sin. Um, and, and just thinking as, as followers of Jesus, being open to the conversation that we, we need to continue to, to walk with much sensitivity through this issue and be willing to have conversation. And, and, and we need to be sensitive to, to people who have a, experienced racism. We, we need to do those things. But again, all we're saying is we, we've got to always come back to the start, the right starting point. And the right starting point is scripture. And Amen. what does scripture say about race? What does scripture say about being made in the image of God? What does scripture say about the way we treat people? Mm-hmm. What does scripture say about forgiveness and a reconciliation? A scripture, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is always where we start. Amen. That is always where we point people. Uh, and pointing people to the critical race theory is, is, is not the way we approach this issue as followers of Jesus. Amen. Well, Pastor, I would like to say that this has cleared everything up. Everything. <laughs> but I will say, everything. But I will say that it has certainly got us thinking. So, yeah, it's, it, Logan, it, I appreciate what you've shared today, too. Yeah, and just again, uh, I don't want to take too much time because we've already gone longer in this podcast than we typically do. This is a start of a conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I and agree. Again, we're, uh, the three of us are trying to figure this stuff out. Mm-hmm. Like Logan said, we're not experts. We don't have all the answers. We've read some. We're, but, um, you know, do your own reading, your own research. But, but you know, again... Um, always come back to the truth of the gospel. Amen. Uh, so, yeah. Amen, Pastor. Why don't you close us and get us ready for next week? Well, that was a lot. Amen. I hope that's been helpful for you. And if um, you have questions, email Logan, not me. Logan. Logan at NorthwoodBaptist.com. He can answer all your questions. Uh, we do hope this has been a blessing to you and, and encouragement to you. And we hope that uh, if if you don't mind, that you'll go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you can have new content delivered to your device every single week. Leave us a five-star review. That always helps get word out about our podcast. And as always, we hope that today's episode has helped you connect faith to life.